Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 87, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And today we welcome some new guests. It's nearly the end of the year, but we're still bringing up new guests. So let me introduce Osh and Miranda from the 86th floor, Europe's biggest cosplay channel. Welcome to you both to the podcast. Hello. 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 Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. And also, uh, can I just say, I'm gutted we missed the 86 episodes. Uh, oh, this, uh, oh wow. I missed that. This is the 87th episode. I, I can't <laughs> be here. This is off brand for us. It's terrible. <laughs> this is. How did, I, how did I miss that? I should have, uh, should have like worked that out so I can get you on there. Oh man, <laughs> now I feel bad. <laughs> thank, thank you, for, thank you for having us. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound like great voice right at the start of the podcast. Because you know, I'm, I'm all for branding. So like uh, the fact that I've just messed up your branding, having you on 87 instead of 86 is just, I, I apologize. But welcome in any case. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for having <laughs> us. I'm very, very excited to be yes, here. Absolutely. And to our listeners, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Uh, drop them in our Discord or throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at TV on Instagram uh, and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. So before we get into today's story discussions, let's update you with the latest from the My Matter universe. It is the end of the year, and it is one month since the release of our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog. So it's now done, it's in print. Kickstarter backers have hopefully all got their copies. We've got some US people that might take a while to get there, but if you're listening to this and you have backed our uh, project, your copy is on the way. And if you haven't read the story yet, standard and collector's editions are available on our website. So go check that out. As we go into 2022, we're going to continue working on new manga, including uh, a story around Tazzy's character. So that's going to be the next thing that uh, I'm going to be working on as I also work on 11th hour uh, in the background. So that'll be nearer the end of the of next year because that's quite a big story and the more i do on it the more i realize how big and complex that story will be so um but it will be worth it it will hopefully be worth it in terms of uh actually sticking with comics we've got a new series that i'm starting which is titled casual conversations with comic creators that's the working title i'm going with because that's exactly what it is so i'm going to be talking every month with a different comic creator uh, about their work and just different topics that come up during the discussion. So it's a chance to showcase the people behind the the art um, that uh, we all enjoy. So I think that's a good thing to be able to showcase people as people uh, and not just lines on the page, even though lines on the page look really cool if you can put that together well. So uh, my conversation with Yomi uh, Ayeni, who is one of UK's most popular creators and a writer of the Clockwork Orange comic series. Uh, I recently tabled next to him at the Thought Bubble comic convention. So we're going to have a, a chat. So depends on when you're listening to this, uh, you'll be able to catch the VOD uh, on Twitch or some highlights on uh, YouTube. And for December, our Studio 77 activity is the final games night of the year. We're going to be playing Gartic Phone uh, on Thursday, the 30th of December from 7pm 
GMT. So everyone's invited. So we play Games Nights every month with our Studio 77 members. Uh, but on this occasion, it's the end of the year. Uh, we're flinging the doors, doors open. So um, join our Discord and we will give instructions on how to join us on a day. Uh, and just, yeah, hang out, um, finish out the year. Uh, with us and have some drawing and improvisation fun uh, on this game. Uh, you can also check out our past Games Nights highlights. We played Roblox, we played Fortnite, Rocket League, Identity V, uh, all those highlights, if they haven't already, will work their way onto YouTube. So you can watch us learn how to play games, or me specifically, because uh, that's what this series is. It's uh, introduce Nigel to a new game uh, and see how badly he plays it. Speaking of new games so we have our new year gamepad online event coming on the 15th of january which will also be live on twitch and hosted by tazzy so we're going to be bringing the friendly fire competition industry interviews and giveaways so it's going to be teams playing across brawlhalla rocket league and knockout city so i'm going to be streaming uh well, we will be streaming another four interviews uh, including sadia mertzova who I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name correctly. If not, she will correct me. Uh, she's a producer at Don't Nod Entertainment, who are responsible for a number of games, including Life is Strange. So uh, we also have a special project we've been working on and can announce and talk a bit about at the end of that stream. So make you sure uh, you stick around for that. The tickets are free and we will be doing new artwork to mark the event and high-res versions will be going out to our Discord community, plus one lucky ticket holder will get a printed canvas version. So make sure you get your ticket, even though it's a free event, because you'll be in with a chance to win uh, that canvas. So yeah, that's all the stuff that we've got for this year, and then a little sneak peek into next. Now let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. So this is the part of the podcast where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been reading, watching, or playing. Um, so we'll start with our guests. Miranda, do you want to go first? Yeah, so um, the thing I've been enjoying this week uh, is the new Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. I'm absolutely in love with it. I didn't really know what to expect from it and then i saw all the trailers with all the like the the christmasy vibes and it's got a bit of a theater kid vibe and for those who don't know me i'm i'm a bit of a theater kid myself so i do enjoy like anything with a bit of theatrical flair um i also am adoring kate bishop as a character who's obviously the if you've not seen it she's sort of she's not quite the new hawkeye but she's sort of the the she should she she should be and she might well be but she's sort of the uh the the successor to uh, Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye who we've obviously been familiar with throughout the MCU. I just love the vibe of the series. It's it's got a good kind of action Christmas movie vibe. Um Haley Steinfeld is amazing as Kate Bishop. Um and I really like what they're doing with Hawkeye's character because I think he was always just kind of slightly left by the wayside in the MCU. I've heard in the comics that he's a great character but in he never quite translated well to the screen but in this he's a really fun character and i'm really enjoying him yeah i i haven't started watching hawkeye yet myself but it does sound really good it's really good fun i, I would highly recommend it and it's funny as well like it's it's sort of it's it's light-hearted but also it's got like a fun kind of mystery running through it i love it I re i'm really enjoying it i do like that uh, disney marvel are 
doing different things with each of the series. So yeah. as they come out, it's like it just feels like each one is is a bit different. I mean, I guess it's ultimately all in the same universe and everything, but in terms of format of the show, it just feels like just different from what has come before, which I, I like that direction. Yeah, because I, I was a bit wary that when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, it's just going to be kind of Falcon and Winter Soldier, but with Hawkeye, you know, it's going to be very standard, like early Marvel and a fairly basic action movie um but i i i really like that they've gone for a bit more of a kind of comedy action vibe i think hawkeye for me it was the one i had the least expectations of and it's the one that's just blown all the other marvel series out of the water for me so far yeah definitely on my my watch list though i still haven't finished um loki so To be honest, I loved the first couple of episodes of Loki and then it, it sort of fizzled out a little bit for me. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about my feelings about the end of the series because we know an awful lot of, Hawke- of, of Loki stands. And it's, um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the end of the show. Well, so this is a spoiler free discussion. Yes, so. yeah. Although there was, a, there was an amazing, there is an amazing character turns up in the final episode and that's worth watching. That's true, all. yeah. Mm. I, I, like, oh, I've got to finish it because I started it, but like... I'm like the there was like middle episodes. I don't know what episode I'm on, and I'm really enjoying the middle episodes. I didn't like the first couple of episodes. Oh really? Like, really okay. I was, yeah. I was I was I was the other way around. I, I think although I think that might also be a bit to do with how much you enjoy Doctor Who, because the middle two episodes feel very like Doctor Who, whereas the first two episodes I felt found quite unique in the Marvel universe. Maybe that's why, because I used to love Doctor Who. Ah uh, yeah. No. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I, I was never like. I used to watch Doctor Who with my family, but then as I kind of grew up, I just stopped watching it because it just wasn't wasn't really grabbing me. Yeah, I think also episode six is going to be the most important part of any Marvel TV for the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, so you no, should no finish spoilers, it just no so you're you're clued in. Yeah, maybe I'm like so I'm like I'm off the Marvel Universe trained. Ah. Like, I am no longer watching the Marvel Universe to understand the intrinsic ins and outs of how everything fits together because I'm, I'm exhausted. Uh. Yeah, that, that, that is fair enough. Marvel fatigue is a there real thing. There is way too much yeah. to keep up with sometimes. Yeah, now, it's, now it's more of just, I just want to watch the things that I enjoy for their individual reasons rather than like how they fit into the humongous puzzle piece yeah humongous puzzle that is the marvel universe it's just getting more complex by the season um <laughs> but yeah what about you Ash? what have you been watching and so, so miranda beat me to hawkeye uh which which i've been enjoying massively um so what i've watched recently and i don't know if i can actually recommend it but i enjoyed it a lot was king kong versus godzilla and it's just um it's just a ridiculous film it's i was watching it going Oh, okay. This none of this makes any sense, but there seems to be King Kong fighting Godzilla in the middle of Hong Kong because they've both, for some reason, been in the middle of the Earth, which is now hollow, in the middle of this film, and makes no sense. But I had the best time watching it. It was absolutely fantastic, and um, the CGI is so incredible. They make King Kong actually a superhero. And the one thing there was a point where God. Uh, also, spoilers: King Kong and Godzilla do fight. There was one point they were fighting. I was and. They had the characters of both so realistic. I thought they were going to kiss for a moment, which I thought was going to take the film in a very different direction. Uh, we were going to have King Kong Godzilla romance, but that didn't happen. So I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm hoping that comes in the sequel. Uh, but that's my recommendation. And I apologize to anyone who watches it. <laughs> 
No, I, I want to I, I want to see it. I still haven't seen it. It's definitely on my watch list. But the thing is, whenever I watch any um, King Kong or Godzilla things, I go down to this into the spiral of like looking up how much of everything there is. And I think at one point I wanted to go through and watch everything in order. Oh my goodness! I, I don't think you possibly could. Uh, I think because because there are so many remakes, and I think there's a lot in this film which is actually throwbacks to previous like bad plot points in other movies and they've done it quite well and it although again with this film plot not important uh, but, <laughs> but there are there, there's there's i I'm sorry i can't go into that giving that spoilers but there's there is a plot point in here which is a direct throwback to the original king kong versus godzilla which was set in 1960s tokyo where they found that king kong gets stronger when he feeds on electricity and that's the only way he can fight Godzilla and they do actually throw back and reference that in the plot to this one which I thought and in a very clever way but um but still not a good movie all right then yeah uh so I guess we're on to me I've I've not been really watching anything new recently I'm re-watching Cannon Busters which is amazing and underrated and I feel like everyone that hasn't watched it needs to go and watch it now and the soundtrack yeah, is amazing what, what is Cannon Busters? Um, it's an anime on Netflix, and it is about, about a friendship robot called Sam, who is amazing. And she is trying to find her friend, and she meets an immortal? I guess he's immortal? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an interesting immortal person and also has a f another robot called Cassie who's like a fixer robot. I don't know. Is is it in that kind of Violet Evergarden break your heart type of genre of anime or is it uh, more robust than that? No, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a very fun anime with a very serious storyline but yeah forget because it is so so much fun but it's i don't know how to describe it oh my <laughs> god apart from amazing like you just have to watch like everyone needs to go and watch it. i don't even care if you like anime or not you need to go watch it purely for me so that the rate the like viewings go up so that they make the next season because I, th I think i i feel very much the same about what i know nigel's going to recommend so it's um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Um, and not that many people like it's not on many people's radars, but everyone I've recommended Cannon Busters to, they're like, wow. It also has a great, great soundtrack. Like, sounds good. Rewatching Seven Deadly Sins, not going to gush over that because I've done that enough times on this <laughs> podcast because I haven't watched uh, the most recent season yet. So I'm like re watching everything because I'm like that. But I've been on like a. I'm like getting into the Christmas spirit. So I've watched quite a few Christmas movies. I watched Boxing Day premiere, which was amazing. And I want to go see that again. Um, and then I started playing Stardew Valley, which I've literally just started. So I have no conversation about the story in that, which I guess you kind of... I've heard Stardew own. Valley is so much fun. Like I know loads of people have like started playing it and just gotten completely obsessed. Yeah, like so many people have recommended it to me. Like constantly, this game has been recommended to me. It's like, have you ever played it? And I'm like, no. And everyone's like, but you'll love it. <laughs> like, we know you and you will love it. And it got added to Game Pass. So I was like, well, I literally have zero excuses now. So yeah, we'll, I'll check. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see if I check back into it in the next season of the podcast. Wait, we've still got a couple more episodes to record, don't we? Yeah, we've still got still a few. 
Yeah, so uh, maybe we'll check it again on one of those, or maybe next season, we'll see. But Nigel, what about you? So I uh, got a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, one is King Richard, the new film that came out about the father of the Williams sisters, um, played by Will Smith, uh, who I love, not to say everything he has done uh, has been great. I acknowledge that. Still uh, love some Will Smith. And I think he's really good. I think this is a really good story. And I don't know too much about the real life person other than sort of what you hear in, in news reports and stuff like that. So I can't say too much about the accuracy of his portrayal in terms of, you know, how how real does it get? And I'm sure given that uh, I think the Williams sisters were executive producers on this, I'm sure there were some rough edges that were sanded down. <laughs> that is by the by. For me, this is a really inspirational story because it's about a a father with a plan. <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy had a plan. Uh, I think was a 78 page plan to uh, have two more daughters that would become great at tennis. And the film kind of shows him, I guess, at the beginning, he is, I mean, well, all throughout, he's, he's quite a flawed character, but he, he has this vision. It's very clear what he wants. And it's the beginning of the film without you know, going into, well, I, I say spoilers, but I think we know how it, how it ends. But it just shows him being told no a lot, essentially. It's, it shows him being rejected and just continuing to go rejection after rejection to eventually kind of get what he wants and i think the that those values and the values he instills in his in his daughters and the confidence that that shows out i mean they took um there were moments where they took like real life uh, incidents and played them and there's one in particular where venus williams has this uh, like a young i can't remember how old she was when she started playing but a young venus williams is being interviewed and the interviewer was asking about you know her confidence and how she feels going into the match and just the confidence in this in this young girl being instilled by uh, her father is is just like it's just great to see so yeah it's a real feel good kind of inspirational uh, story i got a lot from it just insight into i guess their process like i said maybe some rough en- rough edges sanded down but i got a lot uh, from it in terms of like having a plan and just just going through rejection and just making it happen. And I think for me, the one of the many takeaways I took from it is like, sometimes you, you can't tell people, you just have to show them. Because <laughs> when you show them, then the conversation is different. If you try and tell people, they'll work from their, what, their own preconceived ideas. But if you show them, then the conversation changes. So I uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has seen that. I've seen the trailer and it looks great, but I haven't had a chance to see it yet. See, so I, I'm I'm kind of interested to see how many of the rough edges they let they left in, just because you know whenever you see somebody phenomenally successful like that, you kind of go, there must be some some kind of odd quirks. And I think Will Smith's such a good actor. I I really like seeing flawed characters on screen. But yes. You still like them. He does, Will Smith does that well, and it's shown here. So the character is most definitely flawed. The things that he does are like. I understand where you're coming from, but you're going too far. Like you're 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 just doing too much here. But I understand it's coming from a uh, like a, a place of love, but then also a place of like maybe some insecurities or something like that. You yeah, watch it. You see what you make of it. That makes me much more interested in the film than just especially if he's not perfect. It's kind of it's the thing where I really want to see that now. Yeah. So I recommend that as I recommend what I'm about to say, which is I'm sure I know before we start recording, 
um, Osha Miranda were uh, also as excited about this uh, is Arcane, which it's I so good. There you go. That's all. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it's been a great Arcane show. Good. That's, that's all you need to know. Um, so this isn't spoiler. So this is a non-spoiler talk. So we're not going to go into it. Also, we're here to talk about another story. Yeah. But maybe at some point we we will have to do this because for me this is like this is just like elite level storytelling. Like it's so so good. Like it's I I have and had and have no kind of knowledge of League of Legends. And I know Tazzy, like we've spoken about video game adaptations and how, um, you know, how to get better and stuff like that. Uh, and it occurred to me, this is a video game ad- adaptation. But even to say that, almost feels like I'm diminishing what this is because this, is, this isn't even, like in terms of video game adaptation, this is League's excuse the pun <laughs> leagues ahead of just anything else it shouldn't even be in the same conversation as any video game adaptation we're just talking as a story this is an amazing amazing piece of work and i'm i'm surprised because i didn't think it would be this good but is i think every single other gaming studio who's got an ip like this should be looking at this and getting really worried yeah because when i when i watched this my first thought was and this is what i continuously say about the series is this is so much better than it has to oh, be. Yeah it, yeah, it does. It, it it could be a tenth this good. I'm sure just for the fact that the installed fan base, it would do well. People would watch it. But what they've done is just above and beyond. Yeah, but when you kind of look and you kind of go, okay, look, why is why was there a World of Warcraft film when they could have done this? You know, Overwatch again. Problems with those studios aside. But, you know, they've got those IP, they've got these kind of stories. They should all, you know, riots, basically the League story has just proved you can do something so much bigger than anybody else has done with gaming IP. They should all be doing stuff like this. You know, Miranda's a massive Borderlands fan. Yeah. And, you know, there should be a Borderlands series well, like this. There's a there's a Borderlands film in the works, which is it's got like Kate Blanchett and Jack Black involved. But I'm I, as with a lot of video game adaptations, I'm wary because you know I think a lot of the time people go, oh, we're going to take this seventy hour story and try and tell it in ninety minutes. Whereas what I feel like what Arcane did was because I, I've always been aware of League of Legends and the kind of law behind it. Um, every so often I try and uh, get somebody to explain it to me and it's just so vast that you can't kind of wrap your head around it. But what they've clearly done here is that they've just taken like a handful of characters from the game whose kind of law seems to intertwine with each other and just flesh it out to an insane amount and just really gone, we're just going to tell a really, really compelling story with really compelling characters, rather than going, we're making a League movie. That's exactly it. Which you I do think not need any awesome. prior knowledge to that world to enjoy this story. And I think that is the way you have to do it. So for anyone else, like those you've mentioned, like if it's not like this, scrap what you're doing and, yep. <laughs> and start again, because I don't know what you're you're wasting your time. It's already been, it's already been shown. I don't want to see your 90-minute version of a video no. game. And, and, and I think part of the strength of it is um, one of the characters is not in the games in any way and is probably one of the most compelling characters I've seen on any TV series or mm. film this year, full stop. Uh, again, no spoilers. Uh, I think he's, got, the... he's got a big scarred face. You'll know when you see him. You'll know when it? you see him, yeah. yeah. I, oh. I, I think also the other thing that absolutely just kind of gripped me about it was the characters. Like, I just some of the best character writing I've seen in a long time. Like, every single character was, 
you completely you completely got who they were you got why they were the way they what were they wanted, their what conflicts. they wanted yeah it was just brilliant the, the themes in this like uh i'm a big like uh fan of like themes and and films being stories being about something you've got like the idea of family but then there's also a thing of like duality in this and how it's represented in each of the characters and everything has has weight to it and i think that's yeah. so important for a story that there are there are stakes everything that happens there are stakes there are consequences just all the way throughout is just yeah also can we just shout out again highly Haley steinfeld who's both in hawkeye and and she arcane. points by in uh arcane. Oh, okay and she's just know that. and she's just been into the in the into the spider-verse trailer which dropped today which again so this year she has literally done nothing wrong and never will ever wow. as far as i can tell my is, uh, my proverbial hat I offer to her then because yeah um, and I think we're just gonna have to do a, a whole episode about this because it's just <laughs> that good like the the characters the story the music the animation the, yeah. yeah okay let me let me stop because otherwise <laughs> we'll uh Wait, we we'll could go on yeah yeah but that is what I've been watching I cannot recommend that highly uh highly enough so Literally, literally, everyone in my life has been told that Arcane in the last three weeks. I've everybody, I've you know, Pete Strangers on the bus. I've just been going. Have you seen Arcane? Have you seen Arcane? <laughs> have you heard you the should. good news? Thank you for doing your duty, uh, kind <laughs> sir. So, <laughs> so those are some of the stories that we have been enjoying. Now let's get to our main story discussion. So we're going to be talking about The Incredibles, the 2004 animated superhero film uh, written by Brad Bird and produced by Pixar. I'm sure you have heard uh, of those guys. So spoiler alert, we are now going to get into the details or as many of the details as we can cover. So if you haven't seen it, get a time machine, go back to 2004 and watch it or just get Disney Plus. I think it's on there on there too so that might be easier and cheaper but yeah so we're going to be getting into all the spoilers for this uh, i will do a recap of the story but before we do that i want to get a quick take um, and overall impressions from everyone so miranda do you want to get us started what did you think of this film so this is one of my favorite films of all time and i remember seeing it when it first came out and then having the dvd and just watching it like on loop again and again and again when i was a kid and i just i i always go back to this film um and what you were talking about with arcane earlier about good writing this has some in my opinion just really really good character writing um a really solid plot um, I really like the setting. Um, I kind of like the the slightly period piece style, but it also seems like it's kind of its own world. And I just, I just genuinely could just watch this film again and again. <laughs> I love it. That's really cool. Uh, Osh, how do you feel? Uh, I have to agree. This is uh, Rand and I have wildly different tastes in movies, and this is one of the few films we both completely agree on that. That I think this is a perfect film. Because I think it's both an amazing superhero movie, but also an incredible James Bond film, and also <laughs> a and also a really good family drama. It kind of puts all those things together, and each one of those elements it does it does it better than any other film in that genre. That's <laughs> and I'll hear no I'll hear no compromise. Podcast over. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. the, be it's the best fan stick film. <laughs> uh, I love it, uh, Tazzy. What did you think about it? You know what? I rewatched it today, and I was like, "It's not the first time I've rewatched it since then." Obviously, but <laughs> I rewatched it today, and I was like, "Damn, this film was so ahead of its time." Mm. 
the commentary on like superheroes that it has and just the the way that it approaches superheroism <laughs> it's just like so more relevant to today's audience i think but i love it it's so good like such a good film i'm so happy that they did make a sequel as well and i'm um i feel like the like the incredibles could have their own tv show and it would be great why is that not a thing well uh, give it time <laughs> yeah disney plus is coming for everything yeah yeah so uh, your your wish will be fulfilled so yeah i i agree you know i so i re-watched it and it was the first time i'd re-watched it since watching it uh, originally uh, and i'm glad it did because my memories had merged with the incredibles 2 so i'm now able to separate one from the <laughs> other uh, which is a positive um but the other thing as i was watching it is just seeing i guess the relatively early seeds of pixar's ability to make animated stories that work on those two levels of you can be you know is it's all ages so you can be a younger audience and watch this and just enjoy what is happening but then there are deeper themes at play uh, that work into the the story and i think pixar have done maybe more complex things like i'm thinking inside out or certainly soul yeah but you can see here like how how well they do this and it was mm. i mean it I, it's been there for uh, for for a long time but this was a film where rewatching i was like oh yeah this is this is the beginning of of them being able to put this type of story together, and I thought, felt yeah, it was really well done. And like Tazzy said, I think some of the the concepts it it plays with, the questions it asks, are yeah relevant today. I'm sure we'll kind of get into all of that. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to picking this one apart. But let me summarize what has been happening, just in case you have not. Uh, we watched it since uh, 2004. So this is a story that takes us to Metroville, where public opinion has turned against superheroes and the government has initiated the superhero relocation program, forcing supers to stop being heroes and live normal lives. 15 years later, Bob and Helen Parr, formerly known as Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and their kids, Violet, Dash and Baby Jack-Jack, are living out a suburban lifestyle. Bob resents his life and along with his best friend Lucius, formerly known as Frozone, occasionally moonlight as vigilantes. After his boss prevents him from stopping a mugging, Bob loses his temper and injures him. He is promptly fired but receives a new gig from a woman called Mirage. He is tasked with destroying a dangerous robot, the Omnidroid, on a remote island. Bob destroys the robot and is rejuvenated by the action. He improves his relationship with his family and gets back into shape as he awaits another assignment. He also visits superhero costume designer Edna Mode, who makes a new suit for Bob and the rest of the family. However, Bob soon discovers Mirage is working for Buddy Pine, a former fan he rejected as his sidekick and has now become a supervillain under the alias Syndrome. Syndrome has perfected the Omnidroid and plans to send it to Metroville, defeat it in public, and then become a hero himself. After that, he plans to sell his inventions to everyone so that everyone can become super, and as he says, when everyone is super, no one will be. Meanwhile, Helen visits Edna and learns what Bob has been up to. She activates the tracking beacon in Bob's suit, causing him to be captured while in Syndrome's base. Helen makes her way to Bob by private plane, only to find, only to find that Violet and Dash have stowed away. 
Syndrome destroys a plane en route, but the family survives. Helen infiltrates the base and discovers Syndrome's plan as he, as she reunites with Bob. Meanwhile, Syndrome's guards chase Dash and Violet, who fight them off before reuniting with their parents. The family escape capture by Syndrome and head to Metroville, where they fight and defeat the Omnidroid with the help of Frozone. Back home, they find Syndrome, who attempts to kidnap Jack-Jack, just as Jack-Jack's shape-shifting superpowers manifest and he escapes midair. Bob then throws his car at Syndrome's plane, and Syndrome is sucked into the jet's turbine by his own cape. Never wear a cape. Uh, <laughs> causing the plane to explode. Three months later, the Pars witness the arrival of another supervillain, the Underminer. They don their superhero masks, ready to face the new threat together as a family. The end. So we talked about the idea of, you know, this, how society views super, uh, super, pe- super people, superpowered beings, superheroes. And it was interesting to me that this has a similar theme to Captain America's Civil War, but it came out before. So like, as he says, kind of uh, ahead of his time, I guess Civil War is different because in Civil War, it was a sort of regulation against superheroes, but keeping them as superheroes just under government control. This is no one is superhero, so just everyone needs to go and live normal lives. So there's some like different sort of elements of commentary, but I found it funny that the reason it came up in this film is because Bob tries to help people and is then sued. So there's some commentary on like litigation in America, but uh, what do you guys think? Is there, well, I guess, what do you think about the whole superhero relocation program? And is, is there some irony to being punished for trying to help other people, which Bob was trying to do? I think it's really interesting, actually, what you were saying, Tazzy, about this kind of being ahead of its time, because obviously we're living in a, a time where you have shows like The Boys, you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe becoming almost a parody of itself. You have, you know, every five minutes a superhero movie is coming out. And this was kind of doing a lot of that stuff like way 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 earlier Mm. but i feel like this this has a much more while a lot of things like um like captain america civil war and the boys they take a very kind of like nihilistic like oh well if someone has that much power then we can't stop them and it's just the worst forever and society and all of that um but i feel like in the incredibles it's it's slightly it's slightly different and it's much more kind of on a a human level where it's just like a cha- the changing of times and the tide has changed and this is the way the tide has gone. I, th- I think that's a really good point, actually, because I, th- I think there is definitely like a... Um, Pixar often does sneaky social commentary, so talk about litigation as a problem is definitely like a very funny point. But yeah, I think this is change of time. So it's also, I think, very interesting because this was tackled in Civil War, but it's been a fairly big theme in Marvel comics, particularly for a long time in the X-Men run in the 80s and 90s. You had the Mutant Registration Act where mutants were told to register their powers and also not use them. So I think it's something that's always been, since comics have grown up a little bit, there's always been this thing of going, what's the real world reaction going to be to superpowers? And at some point people will say, oh, you can't do this. That, that that's not great, is it? Is it? You know, I mean, the Marvel movies say you're you're essentially being policemen with laser guns, so don't do it. Whereas, and, and this isn't that far off it, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's also, I I think as Miranda says, there really is something about there in the change of times because if you look at the flash forwards after the uh, 
everything before then happens with this incredible 1950s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then as we move forward into the next part, it's definitely going into the 60s, like early 70s aesthetic, even though you've got modern technology and it's kind of going, this is kind of a reflection of those changing values, I think. Yeah, well, because that was such a such a time of, of kind of quite severe change where you'd gone in just a couple of decades from, you know, one set of societal rules and values to actually a very different set and in quite a short amount of time. And I, and I will say just on the art direction side, there is, um, in Mr. Incredible's office, there is an incredible set, uh, sorry, forgive the pun, of concept <laughs> art where it's all um, posters which are all done in the 1950s uh, propaganda style and magazine covers. And they're all 1950s, early 1960s style. And it's when you look at that, you just kind of go, the art department for Pixar are so talented that they could just make all those as kind of throwaway gags to sit on the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just, it's just amazing work. Yeah. So like for me, the, the like superhero relocation program um, and everything about their powers is, it's, I find like it's different from how it, like the commentary and other stuff, because this is like an attack on them. Like a lot of it is like, they can't, like they've got kids and they've got like it's the children like growing up being told like these conflicting messages about like being yourself and doing your best but also don't be yourself because the rest of the world is intimidated by your power and by your individual individuality and I feel like a lot of it is not they use the commentary on like supers but just to talk about everyone regardless of superpowers and like really like that comment on like that individuality which i i think they do a lot in a lot of their films i i was gonna say that that is a very strong theme running through a lot of pixar films which is a lot of people are being made to be something they're not in order to fit in and in an awful lot of pixar films people find who they are by being who they're meant to be you know they they fight you know they're unhappy because they are you know i think luca's just done this very very well you know brave does it um i think a, a lot of pixar movies will go into either somebody being suppressed and trying to be something they're not or they're looking for something and i think both those themes tie together very well in this but yeah i think i think pixar and i, I would imagine for a lot of the pixar creators it's about actually expressing your artistic identity as well as anything else which is mm. being an artist is often something society frowns on or doesn't want you to do they want you to just basically sit still and have this very dull job and not be who you need to be to to exist which is i think there's a that's a key thing because and this is i talk about like pixar working on those two levels where when i would have watched this first there's a lot i would not have picked up on now having i mean it's long a while ago now left a a sort of nine to five uh job into entrepreneurship this kind of message like just springs out to me in a way that it wouldn't have uh, at the time this film uh, came out. I think it's a really sort of strong message. And I think in particular, like, I mentioned uh, Civil War where I don't know if it's more cynical, but like, cause Civil War is saying you can do your thing, just we control it. We being uh, yeah. the government. So we're going to tell you, but this is almost worse in a way at least on an individual level where it's like no you don't do your thing <laughs> like <laughs> at all like in no way shall you do your thing you're going to do what sort of everyone else is doing i, I'm, I think that's worse yeah I, th- I think so I, th- I think the other real big difference for me here is that the first 10 minutes of this movie is again i, I keep talking about this film as being perfect but it is 
just a wonderful kind of classic superhero pastiche. There's a really good adventure story it runs through. You have ridiculous villains. You, one of the villains is called Bon Voyage, which is yeah. just amazing. Such an icon. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, you have, and you have this world where the superheroes are doing good and stopping crime because it's the right thing to do and they and they seem to enjoy it uh, so i don't know i was gonna say actually it was actually quite it was quite a fresh take i know obviously this is not a fresh film but it was it was quite a fresh take me watching it now because i'm so used to in you know marvel movies and the kind of the modern superhero landscape so I'm so used to people going, oh, superheroes are are, are bad underneath or, or that they're corrupt and all of this. It was quite refreshing to just go, the superheroes are just the good guys in this. Like, they really are trying their best and they're doing what's right. I mean, I mean, Mr. Incredible nearly misses his wedding because he's too busy organising how to catch Bon Voyage. And it's like, OK, and it's... And it's it's obviously very light, uh, and and uh, and obviously the reveal of Invisigolf, again spoilers, is is fantastic. But it's just that thing where you kind of go, yeah, this is just light, fun, superhero stuff, and it doesn't need to be that much more. And also, I think um, at the time, basically every single Marvel, every single superhero film was just a property on its own. Whereas they, in the first ten minutes, go, oh, here's a universe. How'd you like that? Boom. Yeah, great. Were you going to say something, Tazzy? Almost what I've got. If it pops up, uh, let me know. Uh, so, this being a superhero film and kind of light and fun, uh, and it does poke some fun at the superhero j- genre. Um, you know, it does like sort of familiar some cliches. So, I just thought it was funny, like Bob on his way to his wedding uh, that we found out, so saving a cat that got <laughs> stuck in a tree. I did like uh, Frozone also talking about. You know his exploits and saying he got captured, but then oh, the villain delivered a monologue and it's like, yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is one of my favourite scenes because it's it's delivered so well. It like it really is just like two guys chatting, and yeah. it's like he's telling a story about like oh yeah, this thing happened at work, but he's just yes. talking about like a super villain that he was facing off against. <laughs> Oh god! Oh, can I just very quickly diverge about how good Samuel Jackson is in this oh, film? He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and, yeah, we got time for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because because a he is fantastic. Because when he, I think he's at the beginning he's, when he's talking about how women always want to tell you their secret identity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's just, and it's just it's just one of those very light throwaway lines, and it's just very funny. But at the at the time when he's making this, he was also working on I think Star Wars, and uh, and basically George Lucas came out to him and went. Uh, you know, you're going to be the first billion dollar actor in Hollywood because of all the films he'd been in have grossed. And Samuel L. Jackson couldn't say to George Lucas, actually, next week, I'm going to be more than that because The Incredibles is coming out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so he was at that time, the uh, he was responsible for more box office dollars than any other actor in Hollywood because of the amount of incredible films he'd been in. And The Incredibles just pushed wow. him over the edge even before Star Wars. Wow. Even yeah. before Star Wars. Even, wow. before, <laughs> even before Star Wars, yeah. Wow. That guy's been in everything. <laughs> he really has, yeah. He's had an incredible career. <laughs> and, and also just an amazing work ethic. And it's, oh, the yeah. thing is, when you still see him in stuff today, you're still going to go, how? how? How are you doing this? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I know we, we turned this into a Samuel Jackson appreciation hour. But yeah, can I we think please? It can I'd be, be very happy with that. Yeah, it can be overlooked sometimes when, like, you, you from the outside, you look at, oh, Samuel Jackson's in another film. Oh, he's in another film. Why is he in all his films? But work ethic, like, it's not, it's not easy to to do all these things. I mean, you know, we're talking relative like Hollywood. There are more difficult things in life, but in in that <laughs> context, there are. It's like 
you've got a lot of work ethic to be working in that many things over such a long time. Like we've seen people come and go and Samuel Jackson has stayed. And that uh, is actually quite remarkable. And it's, it's also a thing whenever you see him in a film, you're going to go, oh, yeah. I know this is going to be delightful. Yeah. Every single every single frame he's going to be in is going to be amazing. The rest of this film could be terrible, but I know you will be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, yeah, Sam, if you're listening, <laughs> I, I know I know he listens to the podcast. He's a big fan. He told me. Big oh, fan. there we go. Big fan. Big go. fan. So yeah, if we can get this to him and just let him know, <laughs> <laughs> we're behind you. Um, so, you need our uh, support. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> stick in there. It will, it will come out for you eventually. You'll make it eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And in thinking of the poking fun at the the cliches and things, one of the things that it actually does sort of conversely is bring out something that isn't always seen in superhero films where family being such a big part. So this isn't like family pushed to the side or like family is like a sort of minor thing or only used to cause, you know, the protagonist, only harm to cause the protagonist like motivation. This is like family is a big part of it and it ties in with the lessons that the main uh, the main main character, I guess, is, would be Bob, has to learn by the end. So I quite like that almost reversal on the on the trope. Um, is there anything else that I missed? Any kind of? I was I was going to say actually that what I, what I really like about this film is that yeah, it kind of does like slightly poke fun at some kind of cliches, but more than that, I think it kind of celebrates the thing that makes superhero films superhero films. And because because something I love about like one of my favorite sort of ways like all my favorite films often are slight parodies of their own genre like i i love enchanted uh disney's enchanted which is a mm. parody of disney princess films um but i i kind of i love it when they kind of they parody it in a way that really celebrates it and i i think that this film is I mean, it is, in my opinion, one of one of the best superhero films because it goes, yeah, sometimes things are just a bit cheesy. Sometimes, uh, you know, think things are just like this and we love it and we're having a great time with it. And that's what makes this fun. Yeah. And I I think I think and everything it does actually lean into kind of the parody or or I think or or it may be more kind of pastiche and parody. It's um, it does really, really well. So you know, again, Bon Voyage is a, a really good example of that. Uh, the the island hideout. It's oh my god, the island hideout is so so cool. I remember seeing it as a kid, and and obviously I know it's a villain hideout, but I would always be like, I I want to visit there. It just looks really cool. <laughs> On a holiday it package. Like a resort kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it, it, it really did. And the sequence where um, uh, Elastigirl, I was going to call her Mrs. Incredible for a moment, but that would be. Uh, not right. Uh, Elastigirl sneaks into the island hideout. Genuinely, the best Bond film of all time. It's when she's <laughs> when, when she sneaks in. It's kind of incredibly well shot, incredibly well filmed, and that's when uh, Michael Giacchino's score just really comes alive. And he, it's basically every part of the film goes Bond, hold my beer. Watch while we do this. Oh my it's, gosh, the sound the soundtrack is is just incredible. I, I need to stop using that word because it's always yeah, going to sound no, like a pun. But I just genuinely say that all the time. <laughs> We can't we can't say marvelous because I think the other thing this I mean this film obviously owes a massive debt to the Fantastic Four concept, not the Fantastic oh, yeah. Four. Oh, we can't use that either. Not the fa- <laughs> not the Fantastic Four movies, but um, and I, I I've got a feeling this is why Marvel have not moved ahead with the Fantastic Four yet because they're just going uh can't top this. Incredibles <laughs> did it better. <laughs> yeah, the Incredibles did it better and stole lots of bits of it, but we won't say anything about that. 
fine. They 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 took inspiration. They took yes, uh, yes. Great artists steal. Uh, it's a uh, poor poor artists just rob. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the saying. Yeah, I think something like that. Sorry. <laughs> Just remembered what I wanted to say earlier. Oh, we got it. So, um, yeah, like, um, so one of the things that I really appreciate about this film, and it might be like really subtle, it's the separation between super and hero. And that yes. they don't necessarily equate the same thing. So um, the, the villain... Buddy, I can't remember his villain name. <laughs> syndrome. Syndrome is like obsessed with with having a superpower. Yes, and like this idea that oh, just because oh, you're super, like I can be super too, and it's like I'm gonna like I'm gonna be the superhero, but like he he he's missing out what actually makes the Hero. The superheroes, heroes. I think mm. that's. I think that's so true, and it's. Yeah, and it is just like the constant, and there was just like one. There's one line, and I can't remember it, but it's near the end. Oh, I think it's when he's say when he's like monologuing and he's talking about he's showing like, oh, isn't this great? I get to go and save everyone from this and then sell everything. Yeah. Like, and he's so like, but he really thinks he's a, he's being a hero. And you're like, no, you've just become a super villain. But like, <laughs> it frames it so well that I feel like if you, if you had a villain mentality, you would totally miss it. You would totally miss the message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also the best kind of villain is the one who doesn't believe they're doing anything wrong. Yes. It's, it's, it's the one who's kind of going that this, I mean, uh, obviously selling weapons to lots of people is, it's not a great motivation, but it's, you know, Buddy doesn't honestly believe by being syndrome, he's doing anything wrong. He's doing loads of evil stuff. And yeah, but it's because, uh, you know, well, he feels very justified in his, in his cause because obviously he, he, it all stems from him feeling snubbed by his hero despite the fact that when you obviously see that interaction happen in the opening kind of 10 minutes, you, you see that it's actually just, it, you know, it's Mr. Incredible being like, you are a kid. You're yeah, trying to get home. involved in like, you know, superhero business that is dangerous for you. you and I can't be... A bomb. Yeah, like yeah, he nearly gets killed during that. And actually that's, that's well, because that's what I'd forgotten is that, of course... Because that whole opening sequence, it just keeps getting, you know, more and more things keep piling up and it ends with the the train mm. where the bridge gets exploded and Mr. Incredible has to stop the train. And the only reason that happens is because Mr. Incredible is trying to save Buddy from the bomb oh, yeah. the Bon Voyage puts on him. So even then, you know, Mr. Incredible is putting putting this kind of, you know, crappy little kid in front of the need, like in front of his needs. And yeah. it's just, and, and so I, I suppose going back to, to then adult syndrome is, you know, in, in his head, he, he doesn't acknowledge any of that. He doesn't acknowledge that, oh, well, Mr. Incredible saved my life. It's no, Mr. Incredible let me down and Ex disappointed me. me. Yeah. And kind of, you know, set me aside and now I'm going to show him and I'm going to be the most super and I'm going to, I'm going to make everyone super. So no one will be like that. He like absolutely hasn't grown up whatsoever. Like yeah, he's, he's still a kid in the past. Yeah, and still a kid. And then even like he doesn't value life. Like when um oh when is uh when is when Mirage partner, is yeah. assistant yeah. 
It's sort of unclear what their relationship yeah. is. I think I think there's something something strange going on there, but we're, it's never. Yeah, this is still a PG movie. We can't talk yeah. about. <laughs> but like yeah, and she's just like no, like you you still value life, and I think, um, and then he's just completely oblivious yeah. to anything like other than his one goal of like having power like superpowers and being the superhero and everyone acknowledge me like he's missing he's completely oblivious yeah he's yeah, missing he's missing that movies. that kind of hero quality that actually a lot of the the hero characters that they have and I feel like that's that's sort of by by the end of the movie, like every single member of the family, possibly with the exception of Jack Jack, because he is like a baby. <laughs> um, but like we'll every, it will let him off for now. We'll we'll, we'll say, I'm, and this is unrelated, but I, I, I'm I'm so I'm I'm slightly bitter that the sequel didn't age up the children a bit because I would have liked to have seen like them sort of growing up into their powers. But alas, may, maybe the third one if they if they do that. But like every member of the family has kind of, I don't know, like learnt a lesson about kind of what it means to have these powers and what it means to to be a hero. Well, again, I think every character in the film, with maybe the exception of Frozone, gets a character arc. You know, they get they get growth, they get to change, they get challenged in some way. And it does change them. And I think, again, that's just the hallmark of really good writing, I think, just to kind of go, OK, all of these characters go on a journey and there's something different at the end, but in a way that you've enjoyed that journey with them. Yeah. I was just going to say, you can't really give someone like Frozone, who's already like super cool. Yeah, he's like, just there. Like, where he's do there. they go from there? <laughs> yeah. you know? Wherever everyone's trying to get to, he's already there. Well, so that's the thing, because I, I was thinking that, I was like, oh, you know, does, does Frozone go on a, go on an arc? And I, I think actually Frozone is, is supposed to be that foil to, to Mr. Incredible in that way that in the, the time skip where, you know, where Mr. Incredible has his, has his kids, uh, Frozone is is quite happy with his life and and he's he, he's quite content with what he has and he's like you know this was a great thing we did in our youth and 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 now then. it's behind us yeah. and I'm I'm pretty happy just you know going bowling and seeing my mates and, and having nice dinners because he says why don't we actually do the thing Go our wives bowling. think we're doing <laughs> yeah, I because I think when you cut to his apartment as well he's got this incredibly swanky up market he's clearly doing place. quite well for himself. <laughs> I love the whole scene of like the where's my super suit scene. Incredible, like just really quick fire comedy exchange just thrown in. Or to yeah. else you go, and, and like Arcane, better than it needed to be. Is, uh, <laughs> um, but could I go back to one thing which Miranda's just reminded me of um, when, when you were talking about the beginning, which is I think mm. the other thing the beginning does is it sets up that the world is actually dangerous mm. because... A lot of you know a lot of Marvel movies you will watch now, and basically people you know Black Widow she falls out the sky and does a good landing and she's fine, and it's um, whereas in the beginning of this movie there, there's I think one moment there's the bit where Buddy nearly gets blown up, and then Most Incredible looks up at the train he's about to stop. There's just a moment in the way he's animated where he looks at it like he's not sure he can do it, and you kind of go you're you're actually in oh, danger, okay. and it sets up that this is actually a dangerous world which you don't tend to see in a lot of other animated movies these days so it's like a lot of things hurt in this film you know when dash when dash and violet are in danger on the island oh yeah, my gosh i i was when i was re-watching it because i watched it so much as a kid i th those kind of sequences especially the sequence with where the the kids are in the plane with helen yeah um it never really bothered me as a kid because i was like well you know they'll be fine 
as an adult watching that, I was getting like choked up because uh, when of she the says way there's kids in the plane. There's, when like, when yeah. she's like, "There's kids on board, there's kids on board," and like the the desperation in her voice, it really got to me. I was like, I, the danger was so real. Even though I've seen this film a million times, I know it's fine in the end. The the kind of the very real stakes are are just excellent. Yeah, that, and that, that scene is just, there's so much tension in it all the way through. It's it's really well done. It's... I'm going to talk about, so you, like saying that, you know, it really shows like the, the realism and the real stakes, but just in everything this movie does, it really grounds the whole, they they do have these normal lives on top of their superhero yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Just down to like uh, Mr. Incredible, obviously he's not really been living his best superhero <laughs> life and he's got a bit of a gut on him. Yeah. <laughs> he, try, he tries to go into the um, the tube to go into the to the thing that releases him down <laughs> and it's just stuck and the, 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 the poor like security guy who's just like pressing the button and he's just like mashing it. He's like awkwardly, like, oh my god. Let's get this through. Let's get this through. Don't, don't, yeah. don't make eye contact. I also, I also think that the thing I quite like about all of it, because there are quite a few jokes about how, like, or sort of like moments where, like, because Bob has quite a few where he's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the guy I used to be. And Helen has a few as well. But I quite, I, I feel like it doesn't come off as kind of mocking like it's like that's just you know that's just what happens when you get older like you know that's yeah. just what happens if you're not you're lifting pounds of metal every single day yeah. like it, it, it never feel it never felt like something to be mocked it was just a sort of it's more commentary yeah like a, a re, that's a reality you know the, the, the older i get the more i can relate to all of that I get, <laughs> literally every, every sequence where he's working out getting on the scale i'm gonna go yep i get all of that <laughs> <laughs> It's even like the fight uh, at the dinner table between uh, Dash and Vi. Like, yes. It was just so well done because it was such a realistic sibling fight. But then they've got powers. So it was like, how would they behave? How would siblings behave if they've got powers and they're having a typical sibling yeah. fight? And your mum has stretchy arms. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then the, the way that like argument escalates and you know, Hannah's like, Bob, come and help. And he's like, Look, I'm helping the situation. All he does is lift the table. Lift the table. <laughs> but, and, and, and you know, also on that, I have to say, what a wonderful power invisibility would be for awkwardness at school. Well, this, yeah. oh my this God. is actually, and I think, I think this sort of leads into what well, I, th I think the next thing we were going to talk about or one of the next things we were going to talk about is is the, the how well the, the powers kind of suit the personalities the personality, yeah, of yeah. the characters. And yeah, I mean, like, let's go through that because it is just really well done in this. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, because Violet, I, I remember when, watching it when I was, a, a you know, a sort of teenage girl feeling a bit like, you know, as teenage girls do, feeling quite uh, self-conscious and feeling like sometimes you do just want to like disappear into the background. And and I think it's interesting that they, they give her invisibility and force fields because it's almost that like she wants to be invisible and she's putting up this field around her because she doesn't really want anyone to, anyone to get close, anyone to get close or to to perceive her in any way. But then as she kind of gains confidence in as she gains confidence through the film, it becomes, you know, it becomes a, a power that where she's, she's, it turns from stay away from me into this is a protective power that, that I, that I own now. 
And, and and I think yeah, and I think again, all of them kind of they represent different parts of yourself or different parts of your life. So, you know, Dash is desperate to kind of get out and do stuff, and you know, it is that the boy with energy, just unbound, yes. <laughs> unbridled energy. But plus the younger sibling thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you are like older children or younger children, but your your younger brothers are always desperate to do the same stuff as you, and they're always racing to do it faster than you did. And it's kind of like <laughs> we used to call my younger brother Dash because he, when he was much younger, um, like he's a, he's a three years younger than me. And he was like small with blonde curly hair <laughs> and would just like dash around all over the place. So we did used to call him Dash. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think I think they make more references to this in the second movie. But again, there's a lot of stuff about Elastigirl um, stretching herself too thin. Yes. And basically have, having to do everything and encompass every single role. And she's the only person in this film who does that. Well, it's sort of it's stretching herself too thin, but also, as she, as she says quite a lot of the time, being flexible and, and, and <laughs> doing that doing that mum thing that I think a lot of mothers kind of assume they have to take on everything and be flexible to everything and be everywhere at once. Like and that moment when they're having a the fight is is where she has to, because she's stretching for, to catch one kid, stretching to catch the other, yeah. and it's like, this is as far as I can go, Bob, get in here and do something. <laughs> she's literally like wrapped around the table because they've gone under the table to continue the fight. And, and she is also the only person who's flexible enough to adapt to their new life. Yeah. Whereas, you know, yes. Bob is completely different. Bob is kind of like just he cannot change, whereas she is kind of like, I can change. I can be this person that the world. Yeah. And I me. think she's quite happy being that person. I, I, I think was going to ask that because she does seem like the only one who's like, if if this is it, then this is it. Then this is what we do. I don't. So I have to disagree. Okay. <laughs> I feel like she's just the best at masking it. Right. <laughs> like which is again due to her flexibility and her <laughs> role as a mother is that you don't have that choice yeah. it's like and I feel like she kind of subtly makes the point and obviously then it's kind of and then in the sequel obviously that's even more there but like this point of like no I am equally capable of being the superhero and I equally enjoy being a superhero. I mean, she's the only one in the beginning. In the beginning, she was the one that said, like, settle down and have kids. No. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And it was actually, it was Bob that was like, oh, you know, I'd like to settle down and down have and raise kids. raise a family. I was going yeah. to say that because it's like kind of like him lying to himself. And it's always like the thing in a, film, in a story where the, the character, there's a lie that they believe. And he kind of, I guess, yeah, they both say it in, in a way just opposite and I actually I got a different reading on that opening those opening interviews because I, I felt like actually Mr Incredible it feels like the way the reason he says like oh I'd like to settle down and have kids it's almost like he's you know trying to be the kind of the all-American you know perfect man be like I'm I'm a hero by day and then I go home to the wife and kids kind of thing and it felt like almost yeah you know it's probably not really what he thinks but it felt to me much more like a oh this this will be good for you know kind of the interview and this will be good for like you know my, my my image um and then the elastigirl kind of interview it's it's very that it's that career woman and it's that like yeah i'm a, i'm i'm the strong female superhero and i'm i'm just as good as the guys here but again if you if you kind of start talking about that kind of depth she could also be like again playing a role or kind of find out who she is and it and i think that's one of the again the, the more we talk about this the more i can kind of see how much the passage of time in this movie is really important because it shows people kind of who they are 
or yeah. who, who they sh- maybe if they are if they can be comfortable in that life that they they say they want or you know and you know suddenly 15 years later everything is massively different but like Taz, you think she's wearing a she's wearing a mask so she doesn't believe what she's carrying out yeah i think she's still there's there's moments that um it's as if she's kind of like look i also do want to be a superhero but that's just mm. not our lives now it's not a case of like oh she's she's happy to live this life it's that she's just doing what needs to be done and she would love to still be a superhero but we've got kids and even more so with bob going out and moonlighting as a <laughs> as a superhero like she's carrying the family torch even more like she's and it's yeah. like i'm doing all of this and then when they finally can like when they're as a family she's like we can do it together like i could like i can help <laughs> if we do it together we're gonna succeed and that's the problem kind of thing i will also say again not to want the sequel but in the sequel she does get a really cool motorbike and you realize she was definitely the coolest super out of all of them yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's <laughs> awesome i love her <laughs> i remember that being, being a kid and like playing playing like pretend games and we would always play the incredibles and the arguments that i would used to have with my friends over who would be violet and now i'm like no 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 i was uh, helen's the one i want to be now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did like her role. I, I think that's like as we're talking through these characters, like everyone has a specific role in the family in the film, and their sort of personalities reflected in their in their powers. And actually, because we, I mean, we talked about syndrome. One of the other things I was thinking about syndrome, and this is something where watching it now, maybe it's it's sort of today's view, but is there a sense of entitlement? Uh, oh, absolutely, with yeah. Absolutely. I, I was, like there's like um, that entitled fan, and, yeah that's very relevant to today where he's just like of course i should be your psychic i'm i'm here i i followed <laughs> you yeah of course what do you mean you're rejecting me wait what was <laughs> how does yeah. that work and it's like oh wow, wow i didn't see that on first viewing obviously I, I wouldn't have but just where we are today just feels that's what i got from him very much like on on second viewing yeah i yeah. i got that as well i think it's um yeah it's kind of interesting because i i it, when it first came out obviously fandom and the internet was a very, very different place and barely existed in the way it exists now. And so you kind of having this like entitled fan character, especially, you know, in an age where you see the kind of the slightly more toxic side of something like the Star Wars fandom kind of, you know, being very loud and insisting that this is this is what makes a Star Wars movie. I think also the the Snyder Cup, and again, sorry, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> get, get get your podcast in trouble or get. I your know, we don't, yeah, you know, we don't. Yeah, we say what you got to say. The Snyder Cut crowd who, yeah. like, you know, who spent seven years basically tweeting at everybody in Warner Bros. going release the Snyder Cut, including at the release of Scooby Doo, which I thought was that was. <laughs> that was <laughs> Leave Scooby alone. Leave <laughs> Scooby out of this. Scooby doesn't need this, but it's a. Uh, but it's but yeah but again and it's one of those things where I think there is a, also a very very specific type of fan this is targeting that I don't think was quite a, as much of a problem that those days but maybe working for Marvel they might have seen it much earlier or basically working for Disney rather sorry I think it's... that fan has always existed yeah <laughs> um, and a reason why I say this is obviously not from personal experience but just from how many movies that follow the trait of like the stalker, the the overexcited fan, like it's always been a thing. It's just that now they're like, I, just this weird. Yeah, I also if you if you track all the way back to like even like when um, 
the Sherlock Holmes novels were coming out, there, there's quite a lot of sort of tales of the the fandom even back then uh, sort of writing haughty letters to um, Arthur Conan Doyle being release like now the listen shortcut. release yeah, the yeah. shortcut but they were like now because like, because Arthur Conan Doyle like I think he killed off Sherlock because he was getting tired of people insisting that he had to keep writing Sherlock novels and then he got so he got inundated with so many letters being like we we need Sherlock back that he then just resurrected him wow which, which again happens in comics a lot these days as well. So yeah, so it's timeless. <laughs> yeah, so syndrome is there throughout all times. So yeah, um... there's always a syndrome. Manage your syndromes because you don't know. Exactly. Well, I think that's Imagine very interesting before they turn into a syndrome. That's very saying. interesting. But of course, his his na- his super villain name is Syndrome, which I think is an, kind of interesting. <laughs> I, I will tell you. I'm sorry. Just something else for syndrome. Something I hadn't noticed before is um, the scene where Bo- uh, Mr. Incredible goes into the board table and light hits the table just for a second, and there's an S picked out in the wood. Yeah, and I'd never seen that before. And it's, again, it's just that thing where you kind of go, "Holy moly!" Just that that level of detail where again, that super villain um, iconography is everywhere, but we haven't noticed. It. I bet you there's well, more he's, stuff. He's probably spent hours designing this this complex <laughs> to sort of be it's like every nice. yeah i mean of course this is this is very much like my godzilla kong fan fiction oh it's no a... <laughs> i also i i don't know whether any of you have seen the 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 little short film that kind of came out a little after this with the jack jack and the babysitter oh, no. yes it's yeah. great it's really really funny it's a little it's like one of the little pixar shorts yeah, and it's yeah, about okay. um to check that out it, it just fills in the gaps between where kari the babysitter like comes around and jack jack starts developing his powers like as she's there and she gets more and more hysterical and there is a very funny scene at the end where syndrome turns up and that that, that kind of connects it to the point where they turn up at the house at the end and he's there with Jack Jack um, and he has this interaction with Kari where um, he turns up obviously in full kind of superhero get up and, and she's just desperate for a replacement at this point because she's so frazzled and, and and he's at the door going, oh, I, I'm the I'm the new sitter. The pars sent me. Um, and she goes, what, what does the S stand for? And he's like, oh, it stands for sitter. I, I was going to I was going to put, uh, you know, it was going to be babysitter. But I thought I can't go around with a big BS yes. on me. <laughs> it's great. It's really funny. Oh, I'll go to check that yeah, out. Yeah, if you've not watched the short. Because you know the um, the voicemails that... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so yeah. it's like all in between that and the voicemail you see her calling yeah. like <laughs> what's going on when she's like it's okay Bella <laughs> yeah and it's just it's so funny because there's all these scenes of like her like wandering around the house because she's lost Jack Jack and he's floating and like like phasing <laughs> through the walls <laughs> I do like yeah. those like when you when there's more story to tell that Pixar and like Disney have a place to put them and you can just check that out where uh, the bits that don't quite make or don't need to make the main film but can yeah. still be yeah. little stories in their own right so I want to talk about themes, but one of the characters that we have not mentioned yet that we, we need to mention is Edna. Because I did not realize how great this character was until we were watching this. Like, she's brilliant because she she's hilarious, but also she's quite key in terms of like essentially keeping the family together because she's not only gives I mean, I guess Bob, Mr. Incredible, was already on his way to like, you know, I want to be a superhero again. 
but she enabled that path giving him a new suit but then also when uh helen comes and i guess she didn't know she didn't know that helen didn't know but once helen's in that zone of like oh i think bob might be cheating or he's doing something i I, i'm not sure what to do she kind of guides her through i just like points her in the direction to go go and save not i guess yeah save save the family to bring the family together so she's she sort of serves two roles like hilarious uh comedy uh source but also like key to keeping the family together and tying them together in that in that theme Na is a power source i'm sorry but she is amazing it's the bit where she's got a rolled up piece of newspaper and <laughs> she's telling she's telling helen it's like you are elastigirl yeah, I, <laughs> I, love, I that. love that and do you know who voiced edna oh I do not. brad bird brad bird the director yeah of the film. Which uh, I already do that because I was putting the notes together and I saw yeah, that. It's, <laughs> and it, it's, it's so good. It's just one of those things where it, it, that could have gone so wrong in terms of kind of being self-indulgent. But yeah, it's a, it's a really great performance. I also think, you know, if we're saying Syndrome is kind of the bad part of fandom, I think Edna's the good part of fandom. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And it's the part that builds you up, supports you and loves the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hadn't thought of that. Syndrome's the part that wants just what they want out of it. So, so. I also just love the concept of a, a superhero fashion designer you know yeah. uh, because i i just feel like it I, I, edna's the only example of this i can think of because everyone else just sort of magically turns up with their 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 gear already on but you know you've got to get it from somewhere and i don't i don't believe that every superhero is good with a sewing machine i i also want to know who her interior designer is because when she was getting that mansion built and she went okay i need to have a flamethrower here and robot arms yeah no. I, need, I, need, I need to have a tank to and, it's, and some kind of well, gas machine there's here. probably a, a an architect for superheroes <laughs> as well if there's a fashion designer then surely there's a there's, there's an a architect for, for yeah, everything for yeah. yeah. i was just gonna say we need to see project runway for superheroes <laughs> like literally i was just about to say i want to see like like edna modes show and i'm all down to have like I don't know, like I see it as like an ugly Betty type show, but, but yes. superhero? Like... Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or just Edna Mode on Drag Race, that's what I want to say. <laughs> and also like Edna's comment on like, she's like, because she's just come back from Milan, Milan fashion. Milan, darling, Milan. <laughs> and she's like, super, super models, there's nothing super about them. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. <laughs> No, I, I just think every single moment of interaction was going, no, no, don't ask me. No, no, do. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to do this. Yes, I do. Are oh, you forcing me? You're for, if you're forcing me, I'll do it. Change my mind, darling. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing she does, and I guess from like a storytelling perspective, is she, she provides sort of the foreshadowing um, when like Mr. Incredible says, you know, uh, and a cape. She's like, no, 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 there's no cape. No cape because, and then she goes through the examples of uh, heroes that have like messed up and been caught basically their downfall had been brought on by having a cape. And then we see later on Syndrome ultimately getting his cape like um, yeah. caught in into the, the turbine at the end. So mm. as we've learned, no capes. <laughs> no capes. Absolutely no, but, no capes. But also a whole series of very gruesome deaths for a children's movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is the most deaths that I have seen in like you know in anything. <laughs> You're right, and and I I because because I again I watched this so much as a kid. I remember just not at all being bothered by it as a child, but now I'm like, oh gosh, there's 
it's quite a lot of actual, quite gruesome, kind of implied death going on in this. Because I know I don't want any piece of loose clothing on my person. Like, even down to going through, like, the deceased from that were... Oh, from the Omnidroid. Yeah. yeah. That scene is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But you see it, like, on, on um, Bob's face, like, as it dawns on him that, like, all of these people have died to create And then he robot. types his wife's Just name this... in it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That scene intercut with then Helen and Edna back at Edna's house it's just it's so so good like the tension is just excellent and the music as well like it's just such a good scene Mm. Mm. so i want to cover some of these themes because i mean we touched on some of them but it's always worth like going into a bit more detail and i think one of the ones that sort of stood out to me uh, and then we, we talked about earlier in this recording is this idea of like limiting your ability for the sake of others. Uh, and as I was putting the notes together, I came across an interesting article, which I'll, I'll put in uh, in the show notes, but sort of viewing The Incredibles as a critique of modern American uniformity. And it's this idea where, because Mr. Incredible, he is his heroics that set up the conflict between, I guess, the desire to show off your superpowers and the, the legal like, requirement to not do that and it's a legal requirement because he is forced to retire not because he got uh, injured um, or because he grew out of it but because of essentially government government regulation uh, and this idea of just everyone needs to conform to the standards so we see like uh, the scene in the car when dash has been called up to the principal's office uh, and helen comes to pick him up and they have their back and forth and when they're in the car Dash asks why he can't be the best he can be. And Helen tells him to fit in, be like everyone else. And then there's a scene later on where, I think it's around the, the, the dinner scene. Or yeah, just where before, they're just like, after. We just want to be normal. Mm. And yeah, well, Jack Jack's the only normal one of us yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think Helen mentions something about graduation, like going to Dash's graduation. Uh, and Bob sort of dismisses it as like a celebration of mediocrity and this idea of like the participation trophy um so mm. I, I don't know what your your thoughts i know uh, before we were recording um osh you mentioned something uh, about this and like how you feel about this film as a sort of critique of just i guess making everyone fit into the same standard it's, yeah so i think so you you also um so you sent me an amazing article which was um talked about whether the incredibles is like an objectivist fable which is all about kind of self-actualization and you know superman trying to hide himself that doesn't quite work for me because a lot of objectivist thinking is very much self-centered and kind of not about other people, not about wider society. But I do, I do think there is a very strong theme of basically not conforming and being yourself. But I don't think it's all about, I don't think it's about a selfish objectification. I think it's about, and like we've said earlier, it's about a lot of Pixar films, which is about finding who you are and find, discovering who you are. And I think, you know, basically if you turn this around and went, okay, this, you know, Dash's story could be a very good metaphor for somebody for basically being a young, closeted gay person going to school and not mm. being who you are, basically not being allowed yeah. to be who you are because that's who the school system is. That's closer to how this story makes me feel than it's a critique on uniformity. But I think, and, and you know, and the, the one, one viewpoint is that uniformity, there, there are people who will feel safe within it and people who will embrace that and that'll be their life. And that if you think everybody should be exceptional, 
then maybe you're looking down on those people. But again, it's that's as soon as you kind of get into that level of complexity, I'm not sure. It's uh, I don't know how you feel about that, Miranda. I think, um, yeah, I'd never really sort of thought about this kind of theme because I think I was so focused on the kind of the the, the family bond being the kind of the big theme. I think the especially the scene with Helen and Dash, you know, Dash is he's a kid, you know, he doesn't understand why he's not allowed to do the one like the one thing he feels he's good at. But Helen is in survival mode. She's so she because she's like, We can't we can't be relocated again. You know, you can't you just need to you just need to do what is accepted and do what isn't gonna get you sent to the principal's office or worse, you know, have the um superhero relocation program kind of descending on us again again. so it's just kind of it that especially early the stuff in the early film feels just very much like just kind of getting by and getting through it and doing what you have to do to be able to live a, a kind of unbothered life and not be you know scrutinized at every stage um, and then, of course, by the end, they've they've worked out that it's like, you know, yeah, obviously Dash can't, you know, just lightning zip around everywhere because that is going to start raising questions. But there are ways that they can they can still kind of be incognito, but in ways that's making them happier. And, and I, th- I think just coming back to kind of that as a Pixar thing, I mean, that runs right through to Soul. Mm. You know, basically, this is somebody who you know, was not fulfilling themselves. They weren't finding out what made them, you know, soul is all about finding out that thing that makes you alive. It's it's not necessarily about being exceptional. It's not necessarily about being the best at it, but there are things that will make you a full person. And, you know, for Bob, that obviously has been a superhero. I think, I think that's actually what you're saying, Osh, that's, that's, that's a bit more it. It's about kind of li- like fulfilling your potential and being able to really, you know, give everything that you've got and you know it's the fact that bob ends up working in an you know an insurance company which i i never quite understood until recently and now i'm like he's he's working there a because it's it's a job but also because technically on paper insurance companies are supposed to help people because they're supposed to you know provide you know compensation for where something in their life has gone terribly wrong and then of course the reality is that (laughs) that is not the case a lot of the time and bob is desperately you know that scene where he's he's going oh well what i'm not going to tell you to do is go to floor four and and he's like making her write it down because he's desperately trying to within the confines of his rubbish job he's trying to still help people but it's just not it's not doing it for him yeah and i I think for me, a lot of what this is like that, the theme about identity and talent, because even um, Dash in the car scene is saying like, I won't be, I won't beat them like by a lot. I'll just be just a little bit better. Like I will just make it just so that he can actually do the thing. Like, it's like, I don't care if I have restrictions around it. I just want to be me. Like... (laughs) I just can't be me at all. That scene at the end when he does compete and they're in the audience like, no, no, go for second. Make it close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fall back. Also, something Randers just made me think of, which is all the scenes with Bob in the um, in the insurance office, you know, basically both on a kind of character level, but also just in a purely physical graphic level, he doesn't fit in that environment. Yeah, he literally oh, yeah. doesn't fit. Everything is just too small for him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good... And that's what I like when, particularly with animation, because it's easier to highlight those those differences in a animated piece, but where 
the the visuals match the story and it's like you don't even necessarily because i didn't even think of that like consciously think of that until you brought it up mm. but now i'm thinking of the scene it, it's just so obvious that this person does not fit and it it just fits to his character and he's constantly like crouched over yeah. and like yeah. his body that. language is like inwardly turned and like i'm hunched and then even the 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 color in those scenes like oh, yeah. it's, it's, so it's so gray yeah, it's yeah. so dull and it's it's just because um to, to the point about this like reducing yourself for for others and and this critique and i think that uh the answer is oh, i i can't remember if it was Oshra miranda who, who said it but it's this answer is like being or even Tazzy, someone someone on this podcast <laughs> said it um after we won the tape but um <laughs> so basically so this idea of like being you when you know you've got this superhero act that reduces everyone to i guess the same level and the the critique of it is like you can't just let these super uh, super people just go and do whatever they want but it's almost to say the answer should be like almost yes let, let people do what they want but there's a way to do it without diminishing others so yes. if if you are like dash and you are you want to participate in this you can do it without necessarily uh, harming others. And I think that's the thing. But then on the flip side, there are people in in Bob's office um, before he gets fired who are perfectly happy doing that thing. And that's that might be them. And that's okay uh, too. So it's kind of like finding that balance between letting people be... Well, just letting people be exceptional, but letting exceptional manifest its, itself in different ways depending on who the person is, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I, and I think also, I mean... I think again. I think the article you sent me on um, kind of objectivism. I think exceptional doesn't have to be being a superhero. I think there are plenty of. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things Pixar is good at, which is exceptional is whatever makes you exceptional. Well, I, I think of... actually what we were saying about how um, when you kind of see glimpses into Frozone's modern life, you know, he's he seems to be doing quite well for himself, and possibly he's his finding is very, his wife is very angry at him. That's what we do know. it may be at the end of the movie not so well, but I was well, I was talking. More about his apartment and you know the fact that he does seem like fairly content just to be kind of like he's doing pretty well for himself and and maybe that's where he's found his kind of his sort of quiet satisfaction in being like i'm i'm ha- i've got a successful career i've got a nice apartment he's just you know, been in star wars <laughs> i've just been in star wars <laughs> <laughs> i don't think his wife is always angry it sounds like a very healthy relationship oh, no, I, I, think, I was I gonna say I, I, it, was, it was right then at that point i think in the next 20 minutes after that he was in trouble i think in the, in the normal life i think he's well, fine well, but also but but that that i mean that iconic I'm interaction here i'm not projecting <laughs> um that I, I mean that iconic interaction is is so kind of again like a lot of things in the incredibles it's like so typical of like uh, a, a married couple who have been together many, many years, where it's not an argument necessarily, but it's just that that kind of way of talking to each other, where you're not really gonna, you know, just be polite to spare their feelings. You don't need to. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We can drop that. A mutual understanding of com- of communication, how exactly. you communicate with each other, and like understanding each other, but as well, like that whole thing is just so funny. But it's the um, the idea that. I mean, she's clearly happy for him to have his giant super wardrobe that opens up at a 
of a button because she took the super suit out of it. Yeah. Like, so they clearly have like a really well balanced life going on where it's like, you know, that's his little hobby. <laughs> and she's like, but I'm more important. I'm your wife. <laughs> I always got the impression that if, if Frozo's wife was ever revealed, she was actually just going to be like the most kick-ass super in the world. Yeah. I, always got, I always got the impression she was going to be like the Wonder Woman of this universe, and like every else. That's true, was, actually, because you. I, I've sort, I sort of always assumed that she wasn't a super just because she's not kind of she's not mentioned she's not it she's not seen and she's not mentioned in the kind of when like Bob and Frozone talk about you know the old days or whatever um, but she might well be who knows I think not I don't know I feel like Frozone doesn't want a I quite like the idea that she isn't and she's just this sort of excellent woman who isn't a superhero and but she's well, she, I think I think she could be if she wanted to I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like she's someone that in her day job does like a very important job like she Actually, is a right. superhero in her own yeah. right just do you know what it. we've all been sitting here being like oh Frozo must be making so much money we've got this all wrong it's his wife it's his yeah, breadwinner yeah. Frozo's is he very much a kept man? Frozo's <laughs> <laughs> so comfortable because he's, he's just, just like kicking yeah, around, going yeah. bowling. You know, he's just vibing. He seems to have a lot of free time on his hands. Like, <laughs> it's good. It's, it looks like a good life, to be fair. And yeah, he's he's, he's doing all right. I, I'm, nobody's going to complain about that. It's, no. <laughs> and speaking of family, the other uh, theme, definitely a strong theme in this, is is family and family cohesion. Where uh, and because. This is the first time I'd rewatched it since like around the time of originally watching it. The one thing that stuck in my head about this film was family. And I remember there was something about family and working together. And it was interesting to rewatch it and see how how I guess disconnected they were at the beginning and almost well not almost, I guess I was failing because of that disconnection. So they all maybe they want the same thing, but it kind of liked as he mentioned, maybe Helen does would want to be continue to be a superhero, but has been flexible and adapted to the the current situation whereas like bob and dash seems quite difficult to like tie themselves into this new personality like that doesn't let them use their powers you've got uh violet sort of struggling with her thing and one of the things that struck me as i was watching along the way is the amount of time people in the family went off on their own so bob goes off on his own sort of well first of all moonlighting but then taking this uh this job even when uh, Helen goes to to save him and the plane crashes and she's like oh, with the kids stay here I'm gonna go she goes off on her own like at the end there's um the final fight I think this is after Bob thinks the family have have died realize they haven't uh, and then before the final fight he's like oh I have to do this uh, on my own and it's a film I think is saying like like you you have to work together so it's only when they start to work together that they overcome and they and either win in the end they kind of learn that okay bob learns that i i don't need to put my family off to the side like i was saying at the um early on that it's all about us doing this together and we will succeed so i really like that uh theme in it i love that as well because i think it it also it goes from at the beginning where it almost feels like 
the kind of the, the family unit is is a slight burden on Bob yeah. especially, but also Helen and you know the 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 siblings. They kind of they kind of resent each other because they're just oh that's just my annoying sibling whatever. And then by the end they realise that it, like being this family unit makes them stronger and they can rely on each other. Um, and I, the the other thing I I always really liked about this even even when I watched it as a kid was that the by the end the kids are being treated as equals to the adults like the they're not sort of because because uh, yeah early in the film there's a lot of like no 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 kids you know you stay you stay here you stay here you know you're not allowed to get involved you don't know anything and then by the end they're being given kind of key bits of the battle to go and do and they're being entrusted with that responsibility and i think that's i think that's really cool because it's like you know obviously obviously kids are much more inexperienced than than adults but you know children like to be given that kind of you know that that chance to prove themselves and 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 given that responsibility i think it's also just really rare to see a well-written family yeah uh, you don't you don't see many films with well-written families especially where you know you see far too many kind of cookie cutter characters in there but see a family who you know work together and very obviously love each other because i think that comes through you know no matter how, what troubles they're having yeah the family love each other and it's kind of like that is so rare to see in any mainstream movie now because nowadays it's almost all found families like dis- disconnected individuals who come together Whereas just to see a family group is just it's really nice. Yeah, and so often the 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 family to the superhero are such a kind of an accessory. Where like we were talking about uh, earlier, like Hawkeye, like his family just just turn up every you know every so often. I don't think I even know any of their names. <laughs> um, and and you know and obviously they don't you know not every film has to have a super super fleshed out family unit like that. That is not the point of every film. And obviously here. In the Incredibles, it's a film about a superhero family, um, but it it is like Osh said, it's it's so rare to see a kind of a a realistic, like functional family who love each other, and they have their dysfunctional moments, but every family does. That's that's sort of the the point. But well, well, when you look at the MCU, I mean, apart from Hawkeye, nobody's got a healthy relationship with their parents. No, that's the whole Everything every is that. <laughs> every single character in the the uh, in the Avengers is an orphan of some kind, and it's MCU's like, or- built off daddy issues. Yeah, we yeah. did on a previous podcast episode, didn't we? That every yeah. MCU character has has daddy issues. Well, well, hopefully, somewhere in the MCU, there's the version of Edmund Mode who's a psychiatrist and is just making is making <laughs> the bank. superhero is therapist <laughs> getting work. And that, um, so yeah, are there any? Because I always like to uh, also bring out like favorite moments, things we might have missed, and and final thoughts on this. One of the things that. I I love it's such a small moment. I don't know why I love this, but I think my favorite one of my favorite moments is after Bob comes home frustrated. And like I think he picks up the car, and the neighbor's kid sees him. So like the next time he's at his car, and then the kid is just there, and Bob goes to the kid. He's like, "Well, what are you waiting for?" And the kid just replies, "I don't know, something amazing." <laughs> I absolutely love that. I love that. That was my favorite scene as a kid. Like that. Yeah. Like when this came out. I was, uh, that was my favorite scene. Yeah, and then at the like, end, when he's like, "That was dope." Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> when he's there at the end. Just, I just, I love that. Just, I don't know, something amazing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> that was my answer to people when they ask, like, "What are you doing with your life?" And yeah. I'm like, "I'm just doing what needs to be done until something amazing happens." Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a great answer. 
Uh, uh, I think I have a new Twitter bio. Are there any other like um, particular moments that people found like really cool? I always loved, like, like I said, I, I love the, the villain hideout. I love all the sequences that happen there, like it, the music and the kind of the yeah the the Bond movie vibes. I've just I've always loved those. But I also I I love I I really like the the scene where they are uh, where Bob comes back and they're arguing and and it's the the scene where they're talking about. He's moving from the fourth grade to the fifth grade. It's a ceremony. It's yeah, psychotic. It. And like, I don't know, but that <laughs> that like exchange is just lives in my head rent free. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I think uh, all the bits we've talked about, again, I, I do love so much this movie, but rewatching it yesterday in preparation for the podcast, the sequence between when Bob, Bob goes on his first mission on the island and it's basically things are looking up for him. It's It's just another thing where it's, Pixar are really good at doing like perfect little eight minute movies within a movie. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it's literally like just a feel good montage where all the moments are great. And it's just that thing you kind of go, each one of these, again, better than it needs to be. And it's just like they're all perfect little character vignettes and it just rolls on for 10 minutes until the next plot point happens. And it's just that, that thing you kind of go, yeah, that's just charming. I love that. It's like, why not? Yeah, that montage where he's like getting back into shape and then suddenly he's got this like rejuvenated love for his family. You know, he's kind of sort of every every day like kissing his wife goodbye and, you know, suddenly he's playing catch with Dash and, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it's great. It's great because I often say that the first, like, first two minutes of Up is like the best movie you could ever make. And that, that's because it basically it tells a life story in two minutes and it's, I think... Yeah, I need to watch, you know what, I've not watched that. Okay, get ready. Get ready to cry. Oh my god, yeah, we are list. I feel like okay, we have to add that to the list. Do, do you? I'm just, I'm just going to invite people back to the podcast. Do you want to come back to the podcast? <laughs> oh, we would love to. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if I could take up. I don't know if I'm emotionally strong enough for that after 2021. Okay, <laughs> I know we're not talking about up, but up is one of those strange ones where the first eight minutes is like the saddest thing you'll ever see, and then the rest of it, it, it does devolve a little bit. <laughs> I also think up, and it's also well, I know it's about Incredibles is the most Studio Ghibli influenced of all of Pixar's yes, films. I think it's it's the one where you kind of go, okay, I can really see Studio Ghibli influences. All Do you still this. think that having seen Luca? Uh, I think Luca is just very influenced by going on holiday in Italy. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think Luca is very very close, but I also, I also think Luca owes a massive debt to Shape of Water. <laughs> it's uh, uh, probably more than Studio Ghibli. Well, it's just because I remembered that um, Studio Ghibli film. Um, is it Ponyo? Ponyo? Ponyo. Yeah, which is about a little fish girl. Yeah, love Ponyo. Bringing it back to Incredibles. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sidetracking a bit. I feel like we've mentioned like nearly every scene in the yeah. film because <laughs> they're all so great. Um, but I'm just going to mention like just a couple of really small bits. So it's when... Um, Frozone comes to fidget, you know, his his Lucian? Lucius, yeah. Yeah, Lucius. Uh, when he comes round to, to for bowling night yes. in the appropriate cities, where uh, Dash, like, spits the water out and he freezes it and catches it 
And Dash is like, oh, I love it when it shatters. Just that that little scene. I love that too. And it's as well because it's like they all just go back to normal, like pretend to be normal to open yeah. the door. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's fine. fine. <laughs> and just like the super, super battles are just like used again. And it, it's yeah. just, I don't know, it's so cute. And then the bit where with Edna, when Edna's showing um, Helen the like Jack Jack's super suit. Yeah. And and like, is, that, is that with that crawling baby robot that gets hit with a flamethrower? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, what do you think the baby will be doing? Well, I'm sure I don't know, darling. <laughs> yeah. But I just covered the basics because I didn't know superpowers. Like... So good. And it's just Helen's like sheer like just shock it's like what what is this my baby why do you think my baby is going to be in these dangerous situations <laughs> like what also just rewatching yesterday just it's that thing where you suddenly realize how genius everything edna mode is disney plus if you want to make a spin-off series for incredibles just edna mode fashion review please i'm there for that there's one last thing i've got one last moment i felt kind of yeah it spoke to me and i think maybe i'm projecting over what has been the last year and a year and a half but it's the relationship between uh helen and violet and particularly violet as we said her being the uh lacking confidence and there's that key moment with the with the plane where she's asked to use her powers to protect the family and she at least in that moment fails to do so and then helen has to take over and sort of they make their way so then from that moment on uh, Violet has this doubt and then when they're in the cave I think it is Helen speaks to to Violet and she says and I'll quote some of this I just feel it's one of those things that just like you know any like good stories just makes you think about life uh, and I mm. feel this is one of those moments where she says to Violet like doubt is a luxury we can't afford anymore sweetie you have more power than you realize don't think and don't worry if the time comes you'll know what to do it's in your blood and I feel like that's just a like really positive kind of uh, line that is said to Violet. But also, uh, I could take on board and anyone listening can uh, take on board. So if you need to hear that, there it is. What a great mum. Yeah. What a great mum. So apart from putting the kids in danger and never killing them. That's well, to, well, to be fair, she did not. She she was trying not to put the kids in yeah, danger, but they, yeah. they snuck on board. <laughs> also, how cool is it she can fly a plane? It's just oh, like super cool. It's just like, again, that was one of the things I just watched it when the movie went. Yeah, of course you can fly a plane. Why not? <laughs> I just love how she just called in a favor for a jet, yeah. like, <laughs> and then she's just like, she 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 can't just fly a plane. Like she is like just up there, like higher standards of flying a flying a plane, like. <laughs> And they're flying private too, none of this commercial stuff. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so that has been our discussion. Um, our, yeah, really entertaining discussion on The Incredibles. So if you have any thoughts, let us know. Send us your feedback on this uh, stories discussion or any discussion we have. Uh, get in touch. Before we wrap, I just want to make sure that I give our storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. For today's episode, uh, I wanted to discuss showcasing character personality. So it's something we've talked about already, and it's something that can be uh, considered in particular for like animated or illustrative works, but it's not exclusive to those mediums. So 
what is character design and how can it be used to reflect a character's personality as they move through your story? So when we talk about character design, we're talking about the process of creating a character's aesthetic, uh, personality, behavior, and overall visual appearance. So characters are the vehicle for storytelling and we want them to stand out and stay with your audience. But it's not just about how they look. To make fully realized characters, they must stand out in their characteristics, so how they act throughout your story, as well as visually. And what The Incredibles does really well is align the design of a character with their personality and role in the story. So we've already talked about, uh, so Bob's powers of super strength reflect his role in the family as its leader. He is tasked with having to hold up the family uh, at one point, literally, and is expected to endure the hardship for the sake of his family. Then we have Helen, whose powers reflect her role in the family as mother and wife. She needs to be extremely flexible and often in multiple places at once. And then with the children, we see Dash as a young boy filled with energy. So it's appropriate that his superpower of speed represents all that excess energy and hyperactivity. And then Violet's invisibility represents her feeling of loneliness and wanting to hide from the world. So she's able to manifest force fields, which reflect on her teenage nature to build walls around themselves to avoid being hurt. And you see in the film, as she builds more confidence by the end of the story, we even see her wearing her hair back and revealing more of herself. But looking at other stories, one of my favorite anime series, Samurai Champloo, does this well with its two samurai characters, Mugen and Jin. The former is brash, conceited, temperamental, uh, and outwardly aggressive. And we can tell a lot of this from his messy, spiky hair, his red jacket, which makes use of color theory to indicate danger. And although equally skilled, Jin's calmer personality is reflected in his more relaxed hair, blue clothing, and glasses, which I'm told makes you look more intelligent uh, and calmer. Um, and as uh, I said earlier, it isn't something that you think about only if doing animation uh, or illustrated works like comics. So if we look at um, the wise Gandalf's long beard uh, and staff or the foreboding Darth Vader's iconic helmet, uh, the Terminator's dark glasses, Katniss Everdeen's bow, even Jack Sparrow's jumbled wardrobe are all examples of live action characters whose distinct characteristics are represented uh, in their design and still leave a good impression uh, in our minds. So here are some things to consider when designing characters that are a good fit for your story. Uh, number one is the concept. What does your character represent in your story? It's key to understand what your story is about and what role you want your characters to play in that narrative. In The Incredibles, we have themes of family. So our heroes are designed with a view of how they fit into the family unit. Number two is to keep the design simple. So you want to make characters that stand out. So keep their characteristics simple and well-designed, well-defined. Make it easy for your audience to identify what this character is about and how they fit into the story. This relates to both characteristics as well as visual appearance. So keeping your character design simple doesn't mean making simple characters. You just want to avoid the temptation to pack too much into an individual character and turn off audiences by giving them too much to think about. Uh, number three is think about their personality. This is so key and can often be overlooked. I know when I do workshops, sometimes the uh, the kids can 
get fixed on the drawings and how the character looks and forget about the personality. But if you only consider the visual aspect, you're missing a lot. You have to know who your character is and what their personality is like, even outside of the specific story uh, you're telling. So where did they grow up? What is their outlook on life? What do they like? What don't they like? What skills they have? Uh, all these things. So your character's facial features, their color scheme, clothing, hairstyle, posture should all reflect in their personality once that has been uh, established. And last, number four, is to create a character sheet. So having this kind of reference will help you keep your characters consistent throughout the story and across multiple stories. So we do this for My Matter. Uh, our main characters have character sheets and it's something that we use to continue to develop even as our characters evolve and change. So it helps us when we're working with others. So our illustrator, Penali, so it helps keep things uh, consistent. It also helps when we're working across multiple stories over years because some of our stories have taken uh, years to make. So uh, you want to keep everything in mind. So those are some things to think about with your stories, with your characters and their personalities. So we're going to make a video of this storytelling tip that will be up on YouTube at some point in the future. Uh, you can also send us your storytelling tips and we'll read them out on the show. So whether it's a comic, a manga, game, book, or something else, send them to feedback at mymatter.com or join our Discord and let us know there. So that's the tip for the episode. Before we wrap, Tazzy, let's check in with our guests. So we uh, obviously want to give our guests a big shout out and, and find out a bit more about what they do. So... Do one of you want to tell our audience a bit more about 86th Floor? And oh no, we're rebranding now 87th Floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been forcing yeah. that legally. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> change all your website, change your logo, yeah. and everything. Okay, uh, uh, Randa, can you get in contact with Alice? This is going to be an all night. Yeah, yeah, I will do. <laughs> I've got her on the phone now. Uh, so, Randa, do you want to say who we are? Uh, yeah, so we, we are the 86th Floor. Um, we are a uh, cosplay. Uh, channel. Uh, I was about to say a cosplay YouTube channel, but we also have a TikTok and a Facebook and an Instagram. And our, primarily, we we go from Comic Con to Comic Con, filming the cosplayers there and putting together a cosplay music video and taking photos of all the incredible costumes that are on show. Uh, we also um, do cosplay showcases, um, and you can find out more about that by visiting our Patreon page. We also do little uh, sort of react shows and talk shows on our second youtube channel primarily featuring miraculous ladybug because that is one of our favorite shows Miranda also cosplays one of the characters i, I also cosplay one of the characters from that and I'm, I'm on that show but we also talk about anime um so we, we've got a series on Oren high school host club at the moment uh, as well as uh, well, i do love a bit of Oren. I'm, I'm being inducted into the ways of Oren, which i'm enjoying um but we, we we do a little bit of everything but it's mostly cosplay and uh, pop culture stuff that surrounds that. And you can find us by searching 86th Floor Cosplay and Cons on YouTube, and you'll also get our other channels there as well. But uh, Cosplay and Cons is where you can find everything else from. And yeah, and if you are a cosplayer and you want to film with us, we'd love to hear from you because we, yes. we, we really enjoy filming cosplayers. It's our, yeah, it's so our we're, bag. We're, get, we're obviously at the moment we are, uh, it's December at the moment. So we're, we're looking at our schedule for next year and, you know, hoping everything goes well with the, the current world situation um, so that we can get back out at loads of cons, hopefully not just in the UK, but also in Europe and possibly America and be able to um, meet and film with lots of you lovely cosplayers. 
Um, but when we're not doing that, we mainly consume Myamada content. And yes. you should go you should go and buy that from all good bookshops or yes. Kickstarters everywhere. Yes, right? make sure you make sure you that check is, these guys that's out. Right. Just let me know who to make the checkout to, and <laughs> yeah, I'll absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll have a word with Craig afterwards. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I think that's I think that's us. So I think that's it. But yeah, and just thank you so much for having us on, guys. It's been yes, so thank much you. Fun. This was great. It was really really good. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. It's always um, good to have people like who are really into the, the stories because then we can just let you talk, uh, and that <laughs> that saves us uh, we, a lot we of time. Can talk so. about the Incredibles forever. Believe me, we haven't scratched the surface. Once, yes. I, get into, <laughs> once, I, once I get into world design, it gets very strange. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, yeah, I, I would. To return a favor, definitely check out the YouTube channel because I said before when uh, we chatted earlier in the year, just the production level on your videos is just really good. I was just like, uh, I, I thought you were an American outlet when we, when I first came across you. I was like, I don't know why I assume like put America together with the only people who can do high production value, but it's really cool to see this being done in the same country that I'm in. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, we've actually had that from a couple of people where um, because we're not on camera much on the main channel, uh, people went, they've met us at UK conventions and gone, oh, you are actually from the UK. And it's like, yeah, we, it's we like, are but simple Brits. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, but there, there are amazingly talented videographers all over Europe. So, yeah, uh, just it, it's one of those things where the, the, it, we're, we're very lucky to work with incredibly talented cosplayers, but the videographers within the community are also incredible. Yeah. There's so many people we should check out. It's, it's such it's a talented community. Work, yeah. <laughs> No, and yeah, again, appreciate you coming on. So uh, if you enjoyed listening to us gush about The Incredibles and Arcane, which we will be doing uh, yes. again, no, mark my words, um, give us a re- rating, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever they let you review podcasts. This lets us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions or just share links because links uh, work too. And, and I will say for the 864, for every five-star review uh, this podcast gets, I will write one less piece of Godzilla King Kong fan fiction. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let like Nigel it. do his outro, please. <laughs> if I like that. If flattery doesn't work, he's got threats too. So <laughs> we're going to make this happen. So don't forget to check out our own stories on the My Matter website. We have a number of titles, including the latest release, Serious Through the Fog, which a kind gentleman recommended you uh, check out. So do that. Uh, and jump in our Discord. So we have a few episodes. Episodes? a few events coming over the next couple months so as we go into 2022 uh, you can also consider becoming a studio 77 member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the my matter universe as always we release new episodes on thursdays that include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamatter.com forward slash story x story so thanks for tuning in and until next time stay safe and uh, make sure to keep your inner syndrome in check (laughs) take care everyone (laughs) 